Hey, Guggo listeners, heads up. We released two episodes today. The one you're listening to right now is a bonus episode. Don't forget to go back and listen to our regular episode. It looks into how President Trump and Republicans plan to win Arizona in 2020. We take you behind the scenes of the GOP strategy and inside the Trump-Phoenix rally that happened last week. Now, back to the bonus. At noon, we begin with breaking news. Congresswoman Ann Kirkpatrick is stepping away from her congressional duties to seek treatment for alcoholism. Yeah, that announcement follows what she describes as a serious fall she took last week that she says was caused by drinking. The 69-year-old represents Arizona's 2nd Congressional District. The Democrat says she is, quote, finally seeking help after struggling to do so in the past. She's hoping with physical therapy she can fully recover from her fall last week. Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. Representative Ann Kirkpatrick announced last month that she would be seeking assistance for alcohol dependence. It came after Kirkpatrick took a fall in a Washington area subway. She was left with staples in her head, cracked ribs, and a fractured spine. In a statement, she said, quote, I'm finally seeking this help after struggling to do so in the past, and I am ready to admit that I, like countless other Americans, suffer from this disease. Hard work and determination, which have brought me success in life, have not been enough to win this battle. Other than being a wife, mother, and grandmother, the most important job in the world to me is representing my fellow Arizonans, I know I must get better in order to do my best in each of these roles. Last Friday, we spoke to Kirkpatrick in the Arizona Republic offices in downtown Phoenix. Here's that interview. Congresswoman Ann Kirkpatrick, thank you for joining us on The Gaggle. Um, My pleasure. I think let's start with the, the most important question. How are you feeling physically and, and mentally at this point? Very good. Very good. Um, you know, had a bad fall, uh, recovered from that, thank heavens, and I was very lucky. Uh, no permanent injuries, no head trauma, no broken bones, and, um, you know, it was a little bit of a wake-up call for me, um, but but uh, it's all good. Good. Um so give us a sense of what your recovery so far has been like. There's the physical side, and then there's the counseling and, and the longer-term stuff. Um, give us a sense of that. What are you doing? Well, I've really made a commitment to it, to my recovery, full recovery, and um, have a lot of family support, which is nice. Uh, so doing everything possible, uh, I just like to think of it in terms of having my toolbox uh, available and anything that I think I can equip my toolbox with that's going to be helpful to me, I'm doing. Does that include like Alcoholics Anonymous? I, you know, I'm not going to name any organizations because uh, that's confidential, but um, yeah, whatever, whatever is available. Do you have a sense of how long you're going to be in this kind of recovery program? For the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. And what have you learned about yourself since the accident? It's, it's, um, it's been interesting. So 
Um, I'll just talk about about alcohol. Uh, you know, I didn't. Um, I grew up in the White Mountains on the Apache Reservation, where alcohol wasn't legal. And then we moved to a Mormon community, and nobody drank. Uh, uh, started drinking a little when I was at the University of Arizona. Um, typical for <laughs> University of Arizona students, I think, but um, not on a regular basis. So I was a serious student. Uh, I was in law school. I wanted to get good grades. I wanted to keep my scholarship. Uh, and then I was a prosecutor. Uh, and then I had my family. So uh, it was probably about 10 years ago that I actually started having uh, a daily drink. And it started out maybe a glass of wine with my husband at night. And then a couple years later, maybe two glasses. And then, you know, it progressed from there. And that's the nature of the illness. It's progressive. What have you found out about yourself in all of this? Have you, you sort of outlined you know, when you started to take it up, but have you found out, you know, you're stronger than you knew, you're weaker than you knew, you know, have you done any kind of reflection on that? And what have you found out about others? Yeah, I, I've found out a lot. And so, you know, I went to, to a recovery facility and um, just listening to people's stories about this, it's, it's really raised my awareness and, and the outpouring of support that I've gotten from people across the country has just been amazing to me. Uh, and so I think it's a problem that a lot of families are dealing with. Uh, and there aren't a lot of really, really good resources, quite honestly. Uh, so I'm willing to talk about it. I'm willing to help in any way I can, uh, because I think a lot of families are really, really devastated by this. Give us a sense of like what that response has looked like to you and to your office in the days um, since your announcement. It's been very surprising, quite honestly. Uh, I was not expecting that kind of response at all. Uh, and then it started almost immediately. Uh, and so I wanted to be open and honest. I've always been open and honest with Arizonans and, and with my family and my children and my grandchildren. And, uh, and so we came out right away. Uh, with a full public disclosure, uh, and and um, I, yeah, the outpouring of support and uh, and especially among my colleagues uh, in Congress. So I I think I think it's something people want to talk about. One of the things that struck me uh, with this was that people that you know in the delegation and others just didn't know this was an issue. They this really struck them as a surprise. Did you feel, were you concealing this? Did you just, you know, were all the signs there if people had been looking? Was it just not an issue that was ever evident to most people, do you think? Yeah, I, I think you're really right about that, Ron. Um, you know, I didn't go to bars. <laughs> I didn't really drink publicly. Uh, and, you know, like I said, it's, it started out maybe, you know, a glass of wine at home when I got home at the end of the day uh, and progressed from there. So, um yeah, I think a lot of people were surprised. There are much more public drinkers of alcohol than I am, but or was, um, but but it is what it is. Yeah, and I own it. Before the accident, was I mean, were you thinking to yourself, "Oh, gee, this is a problem," or maybe I should do something about this? Like, did you recognize? It, I, I, you know, I will say that my children had had called it to my attention, and they were like. 
you know, mom, we call you at night. You don't sound right. Uh, you know, maybe you're drinking a little bit too much, but it was just, you know, early on in the conversation. And, um, it was a wake up call. Yeah. It was a big wake up call. Did you think that you had a problem before the accident? I did not. I did not. And that was an unusual day. Um, they, uh, I got a notice from my office that they were going to call votes that day about four o'clock in the afternoon, which is late. Uh, and so my husband was there. We had a couple of glasses of wine with lunch. Uh, and, um, and then they called votes. They accelerated it to about one. And, and then that's when I rushed out and that's when I fell. So let's talk about that a bit. You live in Virginia when you're in the Washington area, correct? That's right, in Alexandria. Okay, yeah. so walk us through what happened. Did you get on the metro? Had you been drinking bef- I, leading up to that or on the metro? Or? Yeah, I was, I, was, I was headed to the metro. Um, I fell off a, a platform onto sort of a cement slab, and there were some men there. They lifted me up uh, and called an ambulance and took me to the hospital. And, but I was conscious the whole time. Called my husband and said, oh, I just had a fall. Meet me at the hospital. Yeah. And had you been drinking at, at a restaurant before lunch? Had you been at home? At home. Yeah. And were you at the King Street Station? I mean, Yeah, okay. I was at the King Street Station. Okay. And so this is before you got on the train then? Is That's that, right. Okay. That's right. Um, what happened? Do you think that, you know, was there a crowd that sort of caused you to lose your balance? Do you think it was solely because of the alcohol effects that you just kind of lost? I think, I think it was probably a combination of things. I think part of the factor was that, um, the alcohol definitely a factor, but also I was rushing because they'd accelerated the votes and I was trying to get there as quickly as possible. Um, but people were, you know, there to help me. Thank heavens. Could have been much, much worse. What did you do after the fall and after you, you know, you're getting rushed the to the ambulance? I was in the hospital for a couple of days. Uh, and um, my physician was like, you know, let's get all the resources that we can possibly muster for you uh, to help you out here. And then that's when all the support started coming in from my colleagues and also from my constituents. But let's talk about the kind of the hours and the moments after the fall Take us through, you know, you get lifted up off of the cement slab by some men. They call 911. Take us through what the next several hours and days look like. So the, so there was an ambulance there right away, so pretty close to GW Hospital, and that's where they took me. Uh, so they took me into the emergency room, stabilized me, um, admitted me, contacted my physician, and he came right away to visit with me. Uh, called my husband, he came, uh, and just was like, yeah, yeah, we're good. something we're going to have to deal with here. You said you never lost consciousness. Did you know immediately how badly you were hurt? Um, I knew I was hurt. Uh, I think the, the injuries at that point were more bruises. Uh, and I was just thankful that I didn't have any break, broken bones. So I was up walking within hours of being admitted to the hospital. And that was really important to me, to be mobile, walking, and, you know, keeping my muscle strength. What did the 
kind of first conversation feel like for you to talk about alcohol as you described it, the underlying problem? Yeah. I, I, I mean, um, I was like, as with any problem, I want the best resources I can muster uh, to help me figure this out. And, and I will credit, and I don't want to name names, but um, my colleagues were very supportive, and they were there instantly, instantly. Uh, and started going to some group sessions right away uh, and was able to get into, you know, a rehab facility right away. Uh, and that was very helpful. Uh, but that's about all I can say. You know, it's, it's, um, it's a disease. It's an illness that does not discriminate. And one of the things I think I really realized in when I was at the rehab facility is how vast and diverse this problem is. Uh, but um, I was also uh, a little surprised at how young the population is. Uh, and so I was probably one of the oldest people in, in rehab, quite honestly. Uh, and they were most, by far and large, uh, a lot younger than I am. Talk to us about sort of coming to grips with the reality that you knew this was an issue um, because I, I'm guessing that's a pretty heavy thing to have to take on, especially, you know, for somebody who has done a lot to be, you know, sort of professionally accomplished and such. Did you feel like you let people down? Did you feel like, was there any part of you that was still in denial? Um, actually not. So so I had had a uh, a close colleague in my law practice who... 50 years ago, decided he was an alcoholic, and, uh, and, and that was my first experience with it, and was very open and honest, and um, suggested at that time that I go to a support group, and so I'd been doing that for years and years and years, um, and so it wasn't really new. Um, I think what, what surprises me most right now is is uh, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but but the the prevalence and the and the the young age that people are starting to use alcohol. So so one of the things I think that struck me was hearing people's stories when I was in treatment and they started drinking when they were twelve, and um, and so I'm I'm the grandmother of three little boys, so this is a concern. Uh, and I've talked with my children about it, and I'm like, what do we need to put into place now? They're not too young. I mean, the oldest is four years old. But, you know, what What do we as a country, as humanity, need to be talking about here? Uh, and it's not clear to me. I mean, that's kind of new territory for me. So just, you know, let you know that, that that's an interest of mine. And I uh, would lo love to hear from your from your listeners and uh, your readers and what their thoughts are about it. Uh, but I was surprised at how prevalent and how young the population is. Does this experience alter your political future in any way? Well, I guess the voters will decide, <laughs> right? I mean, um, 
you know, it's it's important to me to always be who I am and be open and honest. And, and we've done that. And whether the voters want me to continue in my le- leadership role, they'll decide. Uh, um, but again, it, it's um, it's been eye-opening. So on that, uh, make the case. There, you're certainly going to face a Republican challenger. If any Democrats are considering uh, challenging you, they might say, why should this woman remain in Congress? What's, what's the argument? You know, I, I think that uh, my experience, my knowledge, my background, uh, I'm Arizonan through and through. I mean, you know, born and raised here uh, in, in a long-standing record of helping Arizona. One of the things right now is, you know, I'm the only Arizona on appropriations. And so Arizona's in a unique position because over 80% of our land is public land. So most projects are paid for by tax dollars, property tax dollars. We don't have that much property tax in Arizona. So unless we get, and that's one of the reasons I really wanted to be on appropriations, was because unless we get those federal dollars coming in to help us build infrastructure, transportation systems, uh, we're just going to lose out. We're going to lose out. And it, it was a... It was a big eye-opener to me when I looked at Texas. So my Texas colleagues are all on the same page. They're getting a lot of money for transportation and infrastructure. And I was like, wait a second. Arizonans need to come together, regardless of party. Uh, we need to work as a delegation, or we're going we're gonna to lose out in the 21st century. We want to... Maybe get back to that here in a minute, but does does this experience change your legislative priorities in any way? I know you said that you thinking about different ways that you could tackle alcohol as a maybe a public health crisis or you know from the perspective of um, mental health and self self-care I mean what kind of ideas are you thinking of as you're trying to think about how you might be able to yeah help? absolutely it's changed my focus um, um, more on on mental health care uh, this has always been so one of my daughters is a physician and she's been harping on me since she was a med student at the University of Arizona about putting more money into mental health care in Arizona. And, and, you know, like I said, I mean, you can't start too young. You just cannot start too young. Uh, And again, I think one of the surprising things to me is how prevalent it is. So I know you haven't wanted to talk about people by name, but I will. Uh, I was particularly struck by Paul Gosar, uh, his public tweet right after this happened. Um, it was, I know you two have always had a bond, a special kind of bond, yeah. which is an unusual, unusual. thing anyway, but <clears throat> yeah. that one, yeah. he not only acknowledged, you know, the uh, the sadness and, and the concern for you, but also to just speak more broadly about the congressional lifestyle and the hazards that are inherent in that. Yeah. Talk about that a bit. First about Dr. Gosar, your relationship with him, and then also with, you know, just the, the trappings of life in Congress. Yeah. Um, My relationship with Paul Gosar and his family is something I really treasure. Uh, And you might remember the 2010 election was vicious. Um, You know, it was pretty much a political knockdown drag out. And um, after that, we we actually were uh, members of the same church. And and we decided to to meet and said, let's put our differences aside and work for the betterment of Arizona. 
Uh, and it grew from that. And, and I have a great deal of respect, for, like I said, for, for Paul and his family. And, uh, uh, and it's unique. I mean, it was so unique at one time, 10 years ago, they called us Arizona's odd couple, you know, to be able to work. And, but I still believe that's what people want from their members of Congress. They want them to work together. Uh, and, and so that meant a lot to me for Paul to come out. You know, he comes from a big Irish Catholic family, just like mine. Um, we talk about our families a lot. And um, that, was, that meant a lot to me. You're heading back to Washington soon. You'll yeah. be back this week. What do you expect that return to feel like? You, it, it, I've been thinking a lot about this, actually. I mean, it's a it's a culture, and you know that from your visits back there, based on receptions and alcohol and uh, and. and you know, a lot of times, you know, that's where you, you eat at a reception, you drink at a reception. I mean, that's your food for the day. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. So I have been thinking about, you know, what what can we do to instill a, a more healthy culture? I don't know. I don't know. Do you, how do you expect to be received by your colleagues? Um, so far, <laughs> my colleagues have been very, very supportive and receptive. Uh, you know, there are, there are some who, who will probably hold it against me in the next election. Um, but if, the, if it weren't that, it would be something else. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just want to be, I want to I be candid and open and honest with the, with the American people and the Arizona people. So I know about the Gosar um, comments. Are there any other you know, comments, uh, you know, messages that you've received that are especially poignant or meaningful to you for any reason. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, Dave Schweikert has been a great, become a great friend, uh, reached out right away, Ruben Gallego, uh, the whole delegation really just came together. And, um, you know, and, and, and Ron Barber is my district director. And having, I spent all day yesterday in Tucson with Ron, but um, just having that level of support. Uh, but, I mean, it's, it's a, you know, it, it, it's a problem that, that a lot of families are dealing with. What about with your, your husband and your, your kids? Have they, are they not drinking around you? Are they not drinking at all? They don't drink at all. Yeah. So you've decided to really kind of ta- – they drink before and you've just decided right. to tackle this as right. a family. I mean, my husband might. I don't know what he does when I'm not <laughs> with him. But, um, yeah, yeah, and, and my children don't. Yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit about this decision to be open and honest and transparent. What were the conversations? I mean, can you kind of take us behind the scenes and into those conversations to decide to address this in this manner? Yeah, I, I think one of the, the most informative um, things for me is I got a I got a book on brain development and and what addiction does to the, actually to the physical part of the brain. So my daughter's a neurosurgeon and uh, conversations with her about this and, and uh, it's irreversible. It's irreversible. So the brain damage that's done um, doesn't really, doesn't really reverse. And so how, how did, 
how did that inform the decision to put out a press release and announce to the to the public that this was something that you were dealing with? I mean, why did you decide to address it in this way? Yeah, I think my daughter's um, information to me uh, and what she sees in her medical practice had a big influence on, on making this more public. And um, yeah, like I said, I own it. I own it. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the problem is still there. Any advice to somebody who thinks they may have a problem right now? It, they haven't had that moment where it was undeniable. Uh, any, any words of advice for them? I, I mean, I, I, would, I would say have an honest conversation with your family. I think they're the ones who notice it first. And um, it's not easy. I mean, I, I really encourage, there are a lot of different support groups, and I don't endorse any one. Uh, what I've learned is there are different groups for different people, and, and they tend to like whatever they, they're attracted to. Uh, but, but don't sweep it under the rug. You know, be open and honest. And, uh, uh, but, but I do have some concerns at some level. Is I'm not sure we really know in this country uh, the damage that's being done. So um, it's been eye-opening. But I'm, it's a process, and it's something that I, I believe I'll be pursuing the rest of my life, um, God willing. And, um, you know, uh, I was an Asian studies major in, in college, and, you know, the opium addiction in China took the country down. Uh, and so I think it's something that we have to we have to talk about. Not that's not to say that it's going to take our country down, but it's just it happens. It happens to civilizations and it happens to humanity. Do you trace the increase of alcohol that you are consuming to any person or era or time or political event or life event that was happening with you and your family? Um, not necessarily to my family, but but um, one of the one of the realizations I had when I was in treatment was the extent of um, fentanyl use in this country, which is I didn't even know what fentanyl was, um, and, and how available it is and how addictive it is. So I have a concern about that. But, and I don't think we talk a lot about yeah. that in Arizona yet. I mean, it's pretty it's a pretty big part of the conversation on the East Coast, but not so much here. But you personally, do you, did you do you did you trace your increase, your personal increase, your consumption of alcohol to any particular time in your life or not necessarily. No. No. Okay. Okay. Um well, Congresswoman Ann Kirkpatrick, thank you for coming in and sharing your, your thoughts and experience. Thank you, Ron. Thank you. Thank you both. Thanks. Thank you. Well, that's all we have for you today, Gaggle listeners. Don't forget to go listen to the other episode we released today. As always, thank you for subscribing to us and hanging out with us each week. We appreciate your support, and you can always find our written content on azcentral.com by clicking Politics. See you next week.